reverse the polarity of the neutron flow and all I got was the Doctor Who podcast. Hello, yo-ho, and welcome to episode 77 of the Doctor Who podcast. Shiver me timbers, warm me timbers, rub my timbers. I'm just glad to be here. Let's get on with it. everyone out there in podcast land it's another episode of the doctor who podcast james and tom hello guys hello tom hello hello, hello. good to hear your wonderful voices again Ooh, i'm not so sure about tom's wonderful voice though i mean i i think one of the things about listening to doctor who podcasts at the moment in general is that you've got access to about a dozen different pirate impressions but i've got to say tom you come pretty close to being the best i've heard so far <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sort of a uh, a Surrey in Northeast Hampshire type pirate, which is very good. I guess. Well, they're very common, very common, particularly in the 16th century. Oh yes, <laughs> we're not common, dear. We're quite we're the top one percent, don't you know? Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, we're back. We're here to talk about episode three of series six of the Doctor Who podcast, The Curse of the Black Spots. Same as all the others, no sign of a struggle, no bones or blood. We're shark by every single one of us stuck in the ocean, waiting until the wind changes. What's that? That's a creature has returned. Yo-ho-ho! Or does nobody actually say that? Trev, listen, just, just before we get going on Curse of the Black Spot, um, I was just wondering, because you, you wanted to see all of the first two episodes before you gave it a rating. Um, my understanding is you thought that it was a bit annoying, but now we're, now we're all three in one space. What, why did you find annoying about it again? Uh, well, I, I think, I've, as you've listened to the episode, Tom, you, you would realise that I, <laughs> I was annoyed that um, so many questions were asked, but we're getting no answers. Now, now I, I know that's a sort of do rigueur for the... Uh, uh, Stephen Moffat era, but it, it's getting mm. a little frustrating for me. Um, okay. Even this early in the season, I'm just getting a little bit annoyed. Well, pre- pre- presumably then all of your frustrations went out the window when you were watching the latest episode, because of course that couldn't have been more different to episodes one and two of this series. Uh, it certainly, well, massive, massive tonal shift, massive format change, and a, a story presented to us in a completely different way. It's funny you say that, James, because I, I didn't have those frustrations with... Um curse of the black pearl i had a whole new different set of frustrations <laughs> with this one um curse I, of the black spots oh is it curse of the black see there you go slip of the tongue curse of the black spot pirates of the caribbean it, you're thinking of <laughs> there we go Let, let's just call it the pirate episode so i don't have any of those faux pas again um I, a whole new level of frustration was added there for me because 
I didn't really like this one, and or probably more accurately, I didn't really care. Now, I sort of walked into it not expecting, you know, some, some sort of amazing Treasure Island type of story. I, I was kind of maybe expecting something close to Pirates of the Caribbean, perhaps, but I wasn't expecting Pirates of Penzance. I really wasn't. Just didn't care about any of the characters, any of the characters dying. I went, okay, there goes another one. Even the son of the captain, I sort of sat there and went, oh, he, he's gone, let's move on. Um, it just plodded along, no direction, running from one end of the ship to the other, and it, it just didn't engage me at all. I mean, I, I wasn't looking at my watch, but the the story thought it was more important than it really ended up being for me, because even when they went into the, whatever it was, alternate dimension, universe, whatever techno-babble nonsense that spaceship was in, um, I didn't really care that there were huge racks of pirates all being you know, sort of medically taken care of by this woman. Um, by, by that point, I just had really stopped being engaged by this story at all. Wow. Okay. So not particularly opinionated about this story in any way, shape or form, then, Trev? Well, no, honestly, I'm not. <laughs> no, because it, it's difficult to have a real emotional opinion when I don't really care about it. It's sort of... Oh yeah, that 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 was forty five minutes of Doctor Who. It wasn't really exciting. That you know, there was nothing amazing in it. Um, well, okay. it, it 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 just didn't thrill me in any way, shape, or form. Well, um, I I think it was at least well for the first twenty five minutes dull, and I, and I I think that's probably the worst I can say about it. It was, uh, and I think Doctor Who has quite a hard time defending itself when it presents I think quite a boring story and I think you need to look at this story completely in isolation you need to forget Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon and you need to just watch it and I think then it it stands up a little better but certainly the first 25 minutes I was I was the same as you Trev I was completely unengaged with the story or the characters Um, however my opinion and attention really did change very much when we went through into the the spaceship there were massive flashbacks in my mind to go to the fireplace, I think, you know, just using the the mirrors as, as, as portals into another dimension and another time. No, I mean, there, there were some massive things. A lot of people have been saying that this has got nothing to do with the season six plot arc, and I think that's completely wrong. There are two major, major points here that are included in this story that are going to come back in the future. I'm absolutely certain of it. Um, but we'll we, we'll touch on those later. But no, no, no. Ho- actually, no. I want you to name them now, James, because I've, I've got two okay. in mind. I've I've got two in mind that I think are it. But I'd be interested in what you think are major, major plot points that okay. will have relevance later on. First of all, why did the TARDIS go through into the spaceship? The reason why it went through is because it was sick. It went into a sick bay. What happened to the TARDIS at the end of season five? Oh yes, it was very badly hurt. It blew up. You know, that's quite a major thing. So I think that's something that has passed a lot of people by. Either that or it's just a pure coincidence and it really is a plot hole and the TARDIS just fell through it. (laughs) Um, But I I like to think (laughs) the latter. And every time I've thought there's been a plot hole or there's been a mistake in continuity or something, I've been proved incorrect. So I am going to uh, go out on a limb here and I'll say the TARDIS getting pulled through for no apparent reason is actually quite significant, and I think that's because it's quite unwell. That's the first one, and I think we'll end up coming back to that. Um, the second right. plot 
points, if you like. The major story arc is obviously our little pirate midwifey lady. Oh. See, that, <laughs> that, that's where I was going to use the word shoehorned because um, I've, I've actually made a specific note about that, that bit where that eye patch lady midwife turned up and in, in the side of the ship. It really felt shoehorned into the plot. Like Stephen Moffat said, okay, we've got to have her in this somewhere. Let's stick her on the side of the ship. I really got a disgusting bad wolf feeling about this. Oh, that, no, 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 no. Couldn't no, agree but I mean, more we're, we're seeing these little things shoved in, i.e. the eye patch woman. And... It's not shoved in. I guarantee you it's not shoved in. The reason why that appeared then is because we're dealing with alternate universes here, and that is a major thing for this plot, for this entire season. So she's looking through. The whole reason why Amy's pregnant and not pregnant is because she's pregnant in one reality and she's not pregnant in another. The The reality in which she is pregnant is the one that is inhabited by Ms. Pirate. We ought to really come up with a name for her. I understand we get a name for her next week, actually. But for the time being, she's Pirate Lady. Um, But yeah, I think the way this episode was constructed is on the basis of how season six has been written. I'm sorry about your mother. You miss her a lot. Three years. No word from you. Toby. You promised her. You promised you'd come home. And she believed you would up until the day she died. What made you do it? What made you turn pirate? Get some sleep now. It's fine. You're doing fine. Just stay calm. I thought it was ace. I really, really liked it. Um, it's. I was talking to a friend earlier on this week, and uh, it's very much after the after the the fanfare and um, noise and flash and huge spectacle of the first two uh, episodes. This was nice to have a a self contained, old school, nicely paced. Doctor Who story. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, Trev, I was looking at the clock as well, but only to see how on earth all the resolution that was needed was going to oh, get pushed oh, into the oh, last few minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I, I, mean, really I, I, I don't really think it's self-contained. I mean, we've just talked already about these things that have been... I, I won't say shoehorned again, because James doesn't like that word. <laughs> these, these things that have been applied to the uh, story. And, um, you know, we... It, it's not self-contained. I mean, anyone watching that for his first Doctor episode will go, well, who's that eye patch lady? Um, what's what's going on with some of the elements in there? Um, it, I think it's... A, I, I would suggest that it's as self-contained as, say, um, the key to time, about which more later. Um, because in as much as, yes, all right, fair enough, a little a, an understanding of, of what went before, what goes after, is necessary. But you could watch this in isolation if you're familiar with the tropes of Doctor Who. Um, the the other thing I, I think I, I don't think anyone I don't think either of you have missed it, but I think it's kind of it's it, it's it's there, but it's kind of subtle. Is the number of parallels in this, which is, which is highlighted by all the symbolism of the the mirrors and the windows. Um, James, you've already highlighted this idea of somebody looking through a window, and we've talked mm. about the, uh, how this how the sight. Well, not we haven't talked about it, but there's the uh, there's the way that the siren slips between realities, and the way that you've got two ships. Um, containing people in the same space at the same time. So, you know, there's, there's lots of mirrors, lots of windows going on. 
Um, they, you know, that, that extends out through the characters as well, where you see characters mirroring each other or being windows into each other. Um, it's not entirely, sh- you know, there's a nice swapping between, leap between uh, the Doctor. There's, there's several Doctors there. Um, Rory reminds us he's a nurse. It, 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 there's an awful lot in this episode. Um, don't, don't get me wrong, though. Everyone's entitled to opinion. Um, mine is just that it's actually a lot better than I may have thought when I first watched it, because with a bit of time to think about it. Ah, well, that's interesting. On. That's a really interesting comment that you just come out with there tom sorry what did you think when you first watched that um i got to the end of it and i thought what on earth was that and in fact i thought yeah what the blazes just happened there <laughs> um but then i went but frankly what i did was i went for a walk <laughs> um as is my wand on the saturday night came back and it was like oh that was good um but, but you're right it, it is a massive changing of gear um one of the things i th- which i'm hearing people say which i totally agree with about doctor who season six in general is that all the way up to now, the complaint about Doctor Who was that it was too light, it was too fluffy, it didn't make any sense, not as dark as the old days. And now we've got Doctor Who, which is actually quite clever, and that does have multi-level level storytelling, and there's still people complaining. It's just as well that don't don't scare the hair goes out first, to be honest with you, because I think if people want, want something light and gentle, they can watch that and switch off when it gets to Doctor Who. <laughs> that's, not light, that's not light in general. That is offensive television. <laughs> The, the, well, yeah. the question I want to ask you, Tom, did you enjoy this episode because of the plot elements that reach into other stories and future stories? Because, I mean, you've talked about it being self-contained, but then you've said there, oh, it was really good because it had stuff that had resonance for the rest of the season. Okay. Um, in on its, on its own merits, it does what an, old, what an old Tom Baker Doctor Who story would do for me, to be honest with you, in as much as I'm not entirely sure who the monster is, and then it's revealed that, that what I think is the monster is actually something that's trying to help, and it's got its own motivations. There's that lovely quote from, uh, is it a Jean Renoir film that says, the worst thing about life is everybody has their reasons, so it doesn't really matter how bad, how, how evil you think something is, they've got a reason for doing it. So that I absolutely responded to with like eight-year-old Tom brain, thinking, oh, this is great, because there's pirates in it, and there's this resolution where the thing which we think is evil actually isn't it's just it just depends on your point of view which is my whole reason for loving doctor who because it changes your perspective on things after that sort of older tom brain takes a longer look at it and says yes okay this is all about mirrors and windows and i start to see all of the references to mirrors windows and multiplicity as well this story seems to be saying to me that uh, one person can be very many things which leads back to the mirrors and windows things but we'll talk about all of that in a second i'm sure let me let me ask you one question just off the back of that tom I think it was identified that reflections were rather bad, okay? So the Doctor goes around smashing windows and mirrors now to destroy mm-hmm. a reflection. What happens when you smash a window? You suddenly get a um, million more th- reflections. And uh, the same with, yes, a, yes, oh, with well. a mirror as well. So I didn't quite follow how that worked. And I, I thought that was something that was actually a mistake. Because clearly the, the, the mirror, the shards of glass that the mirror would have ended up in after it was broken weren't then thrown out the window into the sea they were just left there so you created <laughs> you know a million more doors <laughs> and, and and so on but yeah i i, I hear what you're saying but do you, know, do you know what at some point i have to disengage and say it's just it's doctor who <laughs> oh, don't, no, tom. don't you go down that road tom don't you ever ever go down that road i i was thinking of that reflection thing too and when mm. they took the cloth off the treasure I thought, well, wouldn't it just Ooh. be simple just to put the cloth back over? Then there wouldn't be reflections. Because <laughs> well, maybe there would be a reflection. Only... It's just that you couldn't see it. Exactly. But Ooh. isn't uh, vision only the reflection of light off the cornea? So, therefore, if you can't see it, then it's not being reflected. 
And you've just so, told Tom off for nitpicking. Good God, No, man. I've told Tom <laughs> that he, he should not stop nitpicking, that he shouldn't just dismiss it and give up. That's that's what half of the Radio Free Scarrow boys do. They go, oh, that's, that, that's not important. This is a this is a TV confection. I said, well, no, it's not. It, it all oh, well, I would, I would disagree. I would say it absolutely is a, a confection. I, I like that phraseology, actually. It's very good, TV confection. And that is precisely what Doctor Who is to the majority of people. It just isn't to the people who follow it as closely as us. And I, I haven't heard the, the podcast you're talking about, but um, I am assuming it's Chris mm. who will be coming up with the um, yeah, same view yeah. as you there. Yeah. The first thing that springs to mind with um, the reason why it wasn't dangerous for the captain and the doctor is that they weren't marked for death. They were the only two people doing the smashing. True, but but they were trying to protect the ship to stop it reappearing at any point. So... Um, mm. I, I think that mirror thing was a mistake because I, I thought exactly the same thing. If, mm. if you smash a mirror, you end up not with just one reflective surface, but thousands yes. of reflective surfaces. No, absolutely. Good point. Very good point. I, I thought the remainder of the episode was actually quite rewatchable. Yes. I, th- I think one of the things that I really did enjoy about this episode more than anything was uh, with the scenes, the two-handers, if you like, between Matt Smith and Hugh Bonneville. And there, were, there was a couple of times um, that they were together, the first of which when they were in the TARDIS which also coincided, I think, with probably the best bit of direction in this episode, which was the shot through the time rotor. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of almost through a wine glass um, direction. And yeah, I thought that worked right. really, really well. And the second scene was when they were on deck and they're looking up at the stars and the doctors coming up with some kind of um, bittersweet analogy. And I think that just worked really, really well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, notwithstanding that, I, I, I'm not entirely certain about the Doctor's moral compass here. Uh, These are a bunch of pirates, these are a bunch of murderers, they're a bunch of cutthroats, and he doesn't seem to have a problem interacting with them at all. In fact, it's not even mentioned that these are a bunch of criminals by the Doctor, and I think that's further evidence to say that this particular incarnation of the Doctor, possibly the Doctor we're seeing in Season 6, is slightly different to the Doctor that we know and love. Um, that, That probably comes in tangentially on the side of one of my problems I had with it. Um, I'm sure you remind me of the guy who played the captain. He's um, some big deal in the U of K, isn't he? Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville. But, yeah. Hugh Bonneville. Yeah. When, when I first heard he'd been cast and I saw the pictures of him, I thought, he looks like a stockbroker. He looks like an accountant. And <laughs> when I watched the episode, for, for the first half of it, I thought, this guy ain't a pirate. But then the, the episode redeemed itself when they said that he was a naval captain and you know he'd fallen on hard times, blah, 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 blah. And, and now he'd resorted <laughs> to piracy for the sake of his family. I thought he was miscast, but maybe that extends then to um, his crew, that he's got a crew that really isn't a bunch of true cutthroats. You know, they're, I suppose, soldiers of opportunity or men of opportunity. Um, so, so, so they mightn't be the hardened desperados that pirates are normally cast as. Oh, this, so. this is Captain Avery. I mean, he's a legend. I mean, he's, he's a real legend. And In fact, he's referred to in The, the Smugglers. Uh, because you know his um, activities were so so well known, and and, and uh, th- there no, is a mystery. I... There is a mystery here about uh, Captain Avery's boat just going missing with all of his crew, and there's a line in the Smugglers that refers to that. So I... again, it's quite clever linking it into that Hartnell story as well. I personally think his his legend is much bigger than the actual man because merely because of the line one of his crew says at some point when he says, "Oh." I've I've seen your father, you know, kill thousands of innocent people. 
that is a massive exaggeration, I'm sure. He, he's trying to sort of paint him big as a big picture and you know, show him what an evil man his father is. And, and I think the legend of Captain Avery is far more than the man himself. Well, I, mm. well that, that's, that's the case with legends, isn't it? You know, there's a bit of truth in there, but, but the story builds up. I suppose all I was trying to say was just, just trying to counter against your point there, James, that to, to me, I, I didn't have a problem with the Doctor interacting with these people because they were really just people trying to survive. They weren't real, true, bloodthirsty pirates. I, I, I know, and I wouldn't expect the Doctor to have acted any differently, but I would have expected a previous incarnation of him to to pass some kind of remark concerning, you know their career choices being not particularly um what's the word i'm looking for ideal yes Sus- <laughs> their career choices being quite suspect <laughs> Doctor, I'm going in. Drowning. Drowning. You drown too. there's only one thing that can take him now what are you talking about the siren the siren, she wants him. We have to release her. Doctor, no! No! He's drowning! Go find him! While we're on characterization, I didn't like the characterization of the Doctor in this episode. I thought he was a bumbling idiot. From the opening whoa, scene whoa. in the hold, and him going, yo, ho, ho, oh, you don't really say that in this time, do you? You see sometimes that they're trying to make him troutnesque and bumbling and endearing. But it's really a problem I had often with the tenant doctor, that the doctor is meant to be a person who walks into a room and eventually, by whatever means, commands the scene. He, he takes control, he knows what he's doing, he moves on. Sure, there might be a few missteps along the way, and you know it might be entertaining, but... I'm, I'm in this episode for the first time. I really didn't get that impression with Matt Smith. Oh, I he, did. He 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 really I seemed did. like an idiot, and probably it didn't help that every time he misguessed what the what the apparition was doing, how it was appearing, how he misguessed what was going on, that he sort of palmed it off as oh, aren't I a silly old idiot? Um, not maybe realizing that it was endangering people's lives with his ineptitude. Oh, I, I, I've got to, got to disagree. I, I think part of the story and part of the really good parts of this story was the power struggle between Avery and the Doctor. And every time the Doctor gave a command, the captain said, this is my ship, you're not in charge. And that happened a few times. There's a few exchanges like that. And eventually, Avery capitulated to the Doctor's superior knowledge. So, yeah, the Doctor tried to take command on several occasions, came up against a very strong character in Avery, and yet he still won. So, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean about his zany, manic portrayal. But for me, that was a kind of throwback to things like Vampires of Venice and, and The Lodger, um, where The Lodger saw the most crazy Doctor that the series has seen. Um, but for me, it didn't really bother me, I have to say. I, I, I think it might do if the writers continue to portray um, the Doctor Ooh. almost on the verge of Asperger's, but uh, I, I don't think it really <laughs> bothered me um, in, in this episode. I, I thought his portrayal was, yeah. was quite sound. What, what, it, what did bother me It really me did was... me because I think I was trying to grasp for something to grab onto this episode with, to, to enjoy and to relate to. But because it was just all sort of, you know, for me anyway, I mean, I know I'm in the incredible minority, it was just so 
meh. No, that well, that's seeing actually... the doctor act act the way he did just was, mm. I suppose, the you know negative icing on the cake. Well, it's funny you use that word meh because we have a piece of audio feedback that we've received from Mark, who has used the same word as you. Okay, chaps, quick curse of the black spot review for you. Meh. End of review. Now that's unfair, really. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed, and I don't, can't quite put my finger on why. It could be the contrast with the previous episodes where there's so much information and this had so little. It could be the Pirates of the Caribbean-ish aspect of it. I, don't, I honestly don't know. But whatever it was, it didn't push push the buttons for me. Which is a shame, because I think if it... I think it was the contrast. I think it was the contrast with the previous two episodes. And that if it had appeared in a different slot, maybe it would have come over better. As it is, meh. Anyway, looking forward to next week, though. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks for that feedback, Mark. Uh, yeah, quite interesting and certainly mirrors Trev's thoughts, I think. But, but Trev, a little while ago you just mentioned that you're looking for something to, to relate to, something to, to grab onto and enjoy. How about the numerous homages or references to, to classic series episodes? Such as... Well, the massive, the massive reference, uh, the massive reference, the Stones of Blood is a good one, um, where you've got a giant. Yeah, um, that, that that was that was quite lovely. Um, if people aren't sure, the Stones of Blood is a story all about um, uh, a ship in one dimension sucking people through to another. Um, also, the, the, also quite quite uh, quite fondly for me, it was nice to hear some of the old retro TARDIS sounds. Uh, uh, towards the end of the episode, but I just wanted to pick up on something Trev said earlier on about um, about hang, having something to hang on to. Um, one of the things that made it really easy for me to work with was the number of parallels and reversals that are in there. You've got the captain of a seagoing ship that's becalmed. You've got the captain of a stargoing ship that's becalmed. As, as James, as you rightly say, you've got a big power struggle going on between the two of them. And the thing I thought was most lovely was the um, was was how Avery stole a ship and ran away to the stars, very much at the end. Exactly that, but the the other the other one, which I think, I think you probably you, you probably both see this because it's so obvious, is the is the story that reaches back into the the first two episodes. There's a sick child being kept alive by alien technology. There, yes, which um, again was very very subtle, but uh, I. I have to admit that I, I kind of didn't appreciate that as much as I would normally, main, mainly because I thought, oh God, it's another kid um, and one who I didn't necessarily think was particularly good in his mm. performance. Um, mm. uh, clearly, wow, Stephen... really, really? I thought, he was, I thought he was a great little actor. I'm in the wrong place, mate. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you, James. I mean, it, it, it was just another thing in this episode. I went, oh, kid actor. I mean, I, I was almost quite happy when he was zapped away because <laughs> he, he, he well, didn't engage me at all. <laughs> I, I just thought he w- didn't provide the gravitas, uh, if I can use that um, vastly overused words. I, I, I think the other young actors have, have provided within a Doctor Who environment. I mean, you, you look at uh, Caitlin Blackwood as the young Amy Pond, absolutely engaging and enthralling. And even the little boy who was in the Silurian two-parter in season five, I, I really kind of, you know, 
bought the story from his perspective. But this time round, it was no, this is one child too many. Mm. Um, but uh, mm. I suppose the good thing is that in in you know twenty thirty years time, when uh, all of our regular cast are are, are in their seventies and eighties and so on, we're still going to have some fresh people to provide a perspective on this on the DVD releases or whatever <laughs> has replaced DVDs. I, I thought on the whole the acting wasn't bad. I think I think the child was possibly one exception. I really really like Lee Ross in this. I, I thought he was um, mm. probably the strongest supporting uh, cast member. And, uh, of course, he's got um, quite a history. He's regular cast member of both EastEnders and Press Gang. But I thought he was a really mm. menacing pirate, and he, he carried and portrayed more threat than Hugh Bonneville did for the entire episode. Well, I don't know. I, I like the idea of someone whispering and carrying a big stick. But you're right. He was probably the most piratey. Uh, of of the pirates, honestly, mm. th- th- this is so. This this is to me so much about multiplicity as well, though. People being, you know, you've got three ships in one place at the same time. You've got lots of people being lots of different things at the same time as well. Um, I'm, I'm sorry you guys didn't like it. It felt like um like like old school Doctor Who. Nice and fantastic. It's not that I didn't like it. I just found it, as I said, the first two thirds of it, I found quite boring. Um, I, I didn't. I wasn't in the story at all. And mm. I was also expecting some kind of epic, you know, master and commander, which is probably wrong. <laughs> but, you know, some <laughs> kind of filmography on, on, on that scale. And what I got, I have to say, I felt like it was filmed in a, on a set. But it wasn't. It oh, was filmed outside on a boat. Yeah. They managed to reverse the success of what they achieved with Planet of Evil, where they had such a convincing jungle on the interior, inner set... Whereas this time round, you know, it actually takes some talent to make you think you're in a set when you're actually filming on a boat outside. Yeah, I <laughs> I really think this episode has a problem with where it's placed. The the juxtaposition of this episode against oh. the first two parts. I mean, I'd yeah. sat there and thought, okay, we've just seen Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon. Um, while they all have their problems, they were absolutely amazing to watch. And now we're getting this, this studio-bound... <laughs> Um, running around very small set type of small scale thing, and it it screamed out to me filler. It really did. But I think if it had have been anywhere else in this season, perhaps maybe in the latter half of the season, or even in last year in one of the normal, I suppose, standalone episode slots, it would have fared a lot better. But mm. I think coming out of Day of the Moon, people were expecting something very different, and my goodness, they they got something very different with with uh, this one. I don't think I'd use the word filler, but I think it was a deliberate shift in pace, which was a mess, incidentally, uh, the pacing of this episode. But it was a shift in pace. When you look at the breakneck speed of uh, episodes one and two, if you look at the demands it places on the viewer, it's completely different. And I just don't think that significant a change was particularly successful. I mean, I've got no problem with them trying to, you know, shift the focus and and demonstrate how flexible the program is, you know. But I think on this occasion it just didn't work. Um, I'm I'm hoping to view this episode again, maybe in two or three months' time, because I've got no immediate desire to rewatch it, and I've only seen it on the no. one occasion. Um, but I'm hoping I watch it in isolation, and I'm I'm of a completely different different view. Um, the one the one thing that I did like was 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 classic story spotting, and uh, I, I come up with space pirates, stones of blood, as Tom's already said, enlightenment, and uh, the smugglers, and there's probably others as well. But um, yeah, I, I just thought enlightenment. It was... 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. pirates. You, you, you guys tenuously had me at Stones of Blood merely because they use the exact same plot device, but just because they both got a ship in it, you can't say that it draws inspiration from Enlightenment. This is completely no. unlike you here. No. Right, Enlightenment, your favourite Doctor's era. There's, there is a crystal in that particular story that a rather suspicious-looking lady pirate decided might be a good idea to break, and as a result, ended up creating numerous portals out of that pearl instead of just one. Now, you tell me that has got, you know, it's got a little bit more in common than just a boat. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> anyway. Don't try and give this story validation by, by referencing classic Doctor Who. It's, it's a dirty trick and it won't wash uh, me, did, did you have anything or any part of this story that you enjoyed? Was there any positivity that you can, uh, that you can no, give here? Not, or was it not, just completely no, awful? Because, because I didn't care about the characters. Um, I, I wasn't particularly thrilled with the story. It was a massive shift in direction, I think, and, and in style compared to, you know, the first two episode romp. Um, and at the very base, it's, it's stealing from classic Doctor Who. Okay, I will say one thing. I did actually feel sorry for Rory this time. I really did. Oh, it, did it you? Was, I, I, I did. I'm, I'm really warming to him, not because I think it's, he's a good character, because I am so sick of Amy railing against him. I mean, this poor guy, he's under the influence of the apparition. And he says, oh, she's hot, she's fantastic. And poor old Amy just lays into the poor guy and says, how dare you go on about that? Aren't I the prettiest woman here, dumbass, and all, and all that sort of nonsense? <laughs> I mean, every time um, Amy's decided to have the hots for anything else with a pulse, we're meant to feel sorry for Amy that, that, that Rory has a problem with it. I mean, how dare Rory have a problem with Amy you know, following anything that has a heartbeat. I mean, that's that's what Amy does. It's okay. It's endearing. It's funny. But then when the tables yeah, are so turned in this and Rory, <laughs> through no fault of his own, mind you, says a few offhand comments about this apparition, Amy goes, oh, you're a terrible person. How dare you type yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree well, with you. De- I am sick to death of Amy. She is a two-timing, manipulative woman who is is taking this poor guy for a ride and just Rory deserves a hell of a lot better than 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 her. She she's a terrible woman. <laughs> Clearly you're buying the character that's fabulous. Um, I but, am but, but she... I no 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 no. I'm I'm not I am buying the character and and it would be yeah. a shame if that's what we're meant to think. That Amy oh, is this awful is. woman, and and Rory is but someone to feel though, sorry for, because yes, that is, is. <laughs> that that's taking characterization and fleshing out a character a little bit too much. But that's but that's the whole point, you know. You, you're talking, you're saying that when Amy does the same thing as Rory, that's it, that, that, that it just goes by the by. But this, but again, in a story about mirrors and reversal. Um, when Rory starts to do it, it's inter- interesting to see the way that Amy behaves. And no, I, in fairness, she does redeem herself by bringing him back to life. Any other yeah. doctor, chuck, chuck her out. Goodbye. <laughs> you're, you're rude. You're manipulative. You're disrespectful. Get out. I mean, Trev has got a point. Modern modern Doctor Who doesn't do this. Modern Doctor Who keeps these sort of people around because they're entertaining. Because oh, look at how how bitchy she is. Look at how terrible she is to 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 that horrible man Rory, who's had googie eyes at the apparition. Isn't that funny? 
Um, Tegan. Hey? Tegan. I didn't say Tegan. For the whole time... No, I did. Um, oh, right. spent the whole time moan, moaning about what it is, moaning about traveling in the TARDIS. Hated every, apparently hated every minute minute of it. And she's got, she still lasted two and a half seasons. it's interesting. I think on the whole, what you're actually saying is that Karen Gillan is presenting the character that's been written in such an effective way that you're buying it completely. Yes. However. You exactly. don't necessarily like the person she's created. And I think that's absolutely <laughs> fine. Because I don't like Amy either. If I met her or someone with her values, I, I, I wouldn't want to give a time of day. And I, I'm absolutely no idea what Rory's doing with her. If, if, we, if what you're saying is true, James, I think it's a real shame that the production team, and Stephen Moffat specifically, is wanting us to hate a companion. Sure, oh, no, I Tom, don't think he does. You, I sure, don't Tom, think he does. You mentioned Tegan. That's that's fine. Mm. I mean, you you can dislike her. She can be annoying. She she can be loud. And the doctor's told her to shut up. But I don't hate Tegan. But I do not like in any way, shape, or form Amy. I I think she's a terrible woman. No, I I don't like her. I don't like what she stands for. I don't like what she says about. 21st century women, if she's supposed to be a typical example of her. I, I don't like pretty much any element of the character. I do buy Karen Gillan's portrayal massively. But it's not the first time executive producers has asked us to engage with a character who is flawed. I mean, you look at Rose, particularly in Series 2, exceptionally arrogant, exceptionally one-dimensional, You know, just ended up laughing with the Doctor when people got killed. That was part of the season two story arc, whereas I think on this occasion, you know, we are seeing some dislikable traits. But I mean, you know, we're not really going to just see a whole string of companions who we think, wow, what a brilliant character. I like them. You don't have to like all of the companions. And if you did, we'd probably be saying, well, isn't it all very samey samey? Can't we have someone who, um, you know, is slightly flawed in some way? I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, what, the job that's being done on us here is that we're getting characters who are developing and changing. Rory was very, very limp and not and very, very wet as a character. But see, over the last few episodes, how he's developed, how much dignity he's developed. The other thing which is important about all of that is that this episode was moved from later in the season. So it has been shifted forward by quite a bit. I don't think that's got anything to do with it. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's significant in the slightest. Um, people, I think production crews move episodes around in transmission order all the time, and things can be changed and the context can be changed just by changing one or two lines or taking out a couple of scenes. So I I, th- I think it's highly highly unlikely that it being upped the uh, transmission order is is going to result in the story actually being quite poor. Unless they ended up rushing certain things, but I don't believe the crew ended up doing that. I think it's unlikely. Well, there was another line here as well that was uh, pretty much billed as a throwaway line, or we were supposed to sit as a throwaway line, uh, which which I did write down. The Doctor was saying, when I think he was discussing death of some kind, he was saying, well, there are worse ways to go than your face knocked off by a dodgy mermaid. Now, I wonder whether that had more meaning to it and whether or not he thinks, well, yeah, you could be shot by a child in an astronaut. I, th- I thought that was quite blatantly clear because we saw the flashback at that very point about Amy remembering, you know, the Doctor getting shot. Yes, not within I, the same I, scene, I but yes. was quite obvious. It, 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 I don't know about obvious. It wasn't in the same scene. When you saw the flashback at the end of the episode, in the TARDIS, then yes, I would agree with you. 
Yeah, I, I think the scene at the end of the episode was possibly a little bit superfluous, I think, uh, certainly to those who had seen episodes one and two. And that was with the flashback to the Doctor being killed in The Impossible Astronaut. And I think had people not actually watched the first two episodes, then they really, really wouldn't have had a clue what that was referring to. Neither would they have seen the Doctor's pregnancy test kit being on the blink again either. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they wouldn't have understood what was going on there. So, uh I don't really understand why those scenes were were actually included. But um, yeah, on on the whole, I I think I'll be able to take this episode pretty much with a pinch of salt. I don't hate it and I don't don't feel any real negativity towards it. I just feel that it was, you know, it it could have been better. And I would question there's such a, a significant change of tone, you know, from the first two episodes because mm. I just think it was it was asking too much from the audience. It was almost as if you had lost followed by Glee. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's re- yeah. really different. It was just too stark a, a, a change for me. With the whiff of negativity still hanging pungently in the DWP caravan, we'll play it with an, with with another <laughs> bit of feedback. Only in your corner, dear boy. Only in your corner. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> oh, I, I really like it. The general air of well, this wasn't really any good, really. But we're we're, we're struggling <laughs> heroically to try and find some nice things to say about it. <laughs> Again, only from your side. I if I, if I'm it. ever in court, I want Trev to represent me because he's got a way of summing things up so well. Moving on. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was saying, we we have a bit of feedback from one of our listeners, Ian. He's sending a bit of audio feedback, and he continues on the uh, negative vibe for this particular episode. So we'll uh, play out with that. Hi, Tom, James, and Trev. This is Ian again. Well, the Curse of the Black Spot—that was definitely forty-five minutes of television. Don't get me wrong; it was well made, well acted, quite funny, but it felt entirely insignificant. The last two weeks were huge and game-changing stuff, and this wasn't. If I'd missed this episode, I could go on to next week without feeling I'd missed anything. Not every episode has to change the world, but this felt like one of those Who episodes that was there to fill the slot rather than advance the story. On the other hand, it was a nice bottle episode with a fun monster of the week. I wonder if the insanity of the last two weeks has made me less accepting of pedestrian episodes. Oh well, it's Neil Gaiman's episode next week, and that will be anything but pedestrian. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Ian. I, I think you are in agreement with the camper van wholeheartedly, despite what those <laughs> other two across the other side of the world are saying. <laughs> yes. But I think that leaves probably a, a pretty good point to finish this particular episode of the Doctor Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. The place to send your feedback is feedback at thedoctorpodcast.com. Please send it in. We've always loved to uh, play it on the show. And just as a little teaser, check out the feed or the website at the end of the week. There'll be a really, really interesting episode there. If, if anyone's a regular um, subscriber or reader of Doctor Who magazine and has caught wind of Spoilergate lately mm. with some of the spoilers for Series 6, then uh, I think you'll find what we have to offer on the show at the end of the week very interesting. I'll say no more. Tom, Triff says he'll say no okay. more. So do you want to play out and sign off? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I do. Because there's just one thing I wanted to make sure no, I said. I look, said say ep- no more, Tom. Say well, no more. <laughs> Tough. Um, 
Don't forget. This episode's about binaries. It's about reflections. It's about mirrors. Watch it again with that in mind and look for all the binaries. Look for all the reflections and it will be a lot more enjoyable. Aside from that, take it easy. See you next week. Well, for now, apart everybody. from all that mirror nonsense, we'll look forward to Doctor's <laughs> Wife next week. See you Psyched. all later. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you.